might be a little bit of a lag, but um, yeah, welcome to today's video. We have Florian Minderup from Mr. Green. Um, I've been following Florian for a long time. He's building a robotaxi fleet of 15,000 Teslas. Um, he already is at 5,000 Teslas and we will do a deep dive today live on all the platforms. So welcome all the people on X, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, different YouTube channels. Um, it will be amazing. Hopefully all will work. And of course, say hi in the chat, say hi where you are from. And of course, ask questions. This is to be interactive. Um, ask questions, we will get to all of it. And um, yeah, we will get into Mr. Green. We will talk about his famous story when he met Elon Musk. And we will, of course, talk about all things Elon Musk, about all things Tesla. Um, we will go as long as we like. Um, we don't have a time limit. So um, maybe we will go for, for some hours, who, who knows? And um, at some point, we will just wrap it up and then maybe save some for the next round. So Florian, welcome to the, to the channel. Hi, Devo. Thank you very much. We finally meet. I've been following you for a long time. And I'm very happy that I'm here on this channel and uh, first time live for me. So um, I'm very excited to, to get some questions. And uh, um, I'm also very happy to, uh, to be able to, uh, to show something about our, our company, Mr. Green. Uh, as I told you before, we, we would like to, to build in public more to show people and to inspire people that what's happening because um, we've been doing it for 16 years, but there are still uh, a lot of, uh, um, uh, how do you say it, um, not knowledge about what's happening at Tesla and uh, what possibilities there are. So um, I'm, I'm happy to share all of that and all the insights that we have. Amazing. So let's start off with <laughs> this story that you have. Tell us the story of when you met Elon Musk and the bet you made with him. Yeah, well, uh, that was a, that's a, a nice story we have. Um, we started with Mr. Green in uh, 2008, and uh, we started with a mission to, uh, to accelerate uh, the, the advent of electric transport and to end fossil fuels. And uh, in 2013, uh, after five years uh, we started, we started with, uh, with our leasing company for cars. And that's actually the first year that we we thought and we met uh, Tesla. We we learned about Tesla, so we are pretty late to the game as well. Uh, but at, at that moment, Tesla was also uh, expanding to Europe. So we ordered, I think, one of the first Tesla Model S's in in Europe, and we had this very nice fiscal policy in the Netherlands. So we were able to order like fifty. Tesla's somewhere in the Q4 of 2013. And um, that was the, the start of Tesla in the Netherlands as well. And um, um, they opened a shop uh, in, the, in, the, in the city of Amsterdam. And later on, somewhere in 2016, they opened a factory in Tilburg, which is uh, south in the Netherlands. And um, we were invited and we learned that Elon Musk was going to open the factory. So we were very excited and uh, they, uh, the country manager of the Netherlands actually asked us, um, would you be happy to uh, meet Elon as well? And we were 
we were amazed that we had that opportunity uh, because he was he, he was in Europe before and we saw him speak and we went to all these venues where he was speaking but we never met him really one on one so now we we're, now we were able to meet him one on one with uh, two or three other people and uh, we were uh, asked to uh, to have a question about him and uh, ask him a question but on the on the way up to up, up to the factory we thought no we're not going to ask him a question because he has had every question in the world already about tesla so why don't we make a bet and um well we came to the factory and we learned that uh, elon was saying i can't believe this this factory is too small this is what is this i i, I expected a factory which would be 10 times bigger so he, he was a little bit grumpy uh, i i heard <laughs> um but then we went into that room after he did his speech and uh, we made a bet. We said, Elon, we're going to sell 250 cars this year. If we uh, make that target, we're going to bring our team to the United States. And then we're going to uh, drive from the Fremont factory to the Nevada, Giga Nevada factory, which was still building out. And if we don't make the bet, uh, then we will uh, clean the Tesla logo on this factory. Are you in? And, uh, and, and he started smiling and laughing. He said, I love this bet. I love this entrepreneurial spirit. Let's do it. So um, we eventually made our target. We went to the United States. We went to the Fremont factory. We did a tour. And then we went to the shop and we said, uh, we made a bet with Elon the last year. <laughs> Where is the Tesla? <laughs> and they were looking at us. Who are you guys? What, what are you doing here? Why should we have a Tesla for you guys? Yeah, we made a bet with Elon, etc." And then uh, we were we stayed there for one more hour. We called with our country manager, and eventually we got a Tesla, of course. Uh, and we went to the Giga factory in Nevada. And at the Giga Nevada factory, the the doors were closed. They they said no, you're not able to enter. So we went on to Lake Tahoe and we went skiing there. So it was it was fun. Wow! Did did you meet Elon Musk since then again? No, well, we we met him at at venues or at uh, you know Tesla events, but never as close as we did back then. Wow, amazing, amazing! Yeah, so if if I understand correctly, let's let's uh, talk about Mr. Green. Um, if I understand cl correctly, you're you are a, a leasing company, or um, maybe better understood as a subscription company, so people can. Um, uh, lease or subscribe to Teslas from your fleet, as uh, if I understand correctly, you own these Teslas. So um, tell us a little bit about what is Mr. Green and, and what is the current evolution of, of the business model? How does it all work? Yeah, so um, as we speak right now, we have almost 5,000 Teslas in our fleet and they are all on our balance sheet. So you could... Uh, see us as a, a rental company of Teslas. Uh, the normal rental duration is about uh, 60 months. And um, uh, at this moment, we, um, we are... Um, um, sorry, I, I got a message from you that the video is not good. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, just we're, we're building in public. So in the spirit of building oh. in public, could you check the settings and make sure that we uh, you are streaming on the full high definition? Yeah, I'm on a full high definition, one 1080. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that we have the perfect, uh, the best possible quality. Everything's yeah, yeah. good. Okay, great. 
So uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're based in the Netherlands right now, uh, in Belgium and in Germany and in Denmark. And we're expanding into um, to, to all of Europe. And we also want to go to the United States. Yeah, everything is fine. <laughs> this is our technical guy asking if everything is okay. Everything is okay. Um, so um, we are a typical lease company because a normal lease company, they, uh, they just buy the car, they rent it out and then they sell the car. But um, we are building a robot taxi fleet. So uh, we want to keep the cars. So mm -hmm. uh, after five years, uh, we get the car back and we just uh, put it into a, what we call a redrive contract. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's actually a very interesting value proposition for our clients because we are able to uh, offer uh, an old Model 3 or Model Y or Model S or Model X uh, at a price which is uh, about 100 to 200 euros cheaper. Um, and the Model S, X, Y or 3 is updated by software. So it feels like it's a new uh, Tesla. So uh, it's actually a very interesting value proposition. And at this moment, about 30% of our fleet uh, consists of second term redrive contracts. So um, I think that's going to be our future as well, that we're going to buy more cars which are older. And um, at this moment, we have about a 40% FSD uptake ratio. So 40% of our clients are actually driving FSD already in the Netherlands and in Germany and uh, every country where we are. And that's FSD alpha, of course. Eh? It's, it's not the FSD beta we know about in the, in, in the US. We're really looking forward to that. But um, our aim is to build a, a fleet of, of Teslas with 100% uh, uptake rate. And uh, we actually believe that uh, uh, we, have, we have the same idea as Tesla. We want, to, we want to bring the cars as affordable as possible. So we also have an uh, affordability strategy. So we're also looking at the total cost of ownership. We want to drive that down. And we see that in our redrive contracts, the total scope of ownership is actually decreasing by 30%. So uh, people are able to drive a Tesla at uh, a 30% reduction of the cost, uh, even with FSD. So what we're also doing for our clients is that uh, we want to um, really get them hooked on FSD. So um, they, they're, they're, there's still a lot of uncertainty and doubt uh, and uh, a lot of fake news about FSD. Um, but if you drive it, and if you drive it after two months, you are, you, you're, and we take FSD away from you, you are, <laughs> you're lost. You say, no, no, I want FSD back. Please give it back to me. So uh, at this moment, we offer FSD for uh, 45 euros a month, uh, which is really cheap compared to what uh, they, uh, they offer it in the US for $200 a month. And that's that's a that's a way for for us to uh, educate our clients, to educate that Tesla is more than a car. It's it's more about the software and about self driving. So, yeah, so let's maybe so, so let's maybe zoom zoom out a little bit and start from the beginning. So so let's maybe walk through the whole customer journey. So sure. why would a customer um, even consider uh, leasing a car from you? Um, instead of buying their own Tesla. So what's the value proposition? How do you even get uh, the customer into the door? What, what do you offer them? 
Well, uh, at first, is uh, we are mission driven. So our mission is to end fossil fuel. Um, so um, that's that's number one. Number two, we are 100% focused on Tesla. So that's number two. Uh, and uh, because we're focused and mission driven, and uh, because our strategy is 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 uh, offering our clients the the most affordable car. Um, we can offer them value propositions which are very interesting to them. So um, we sometimes even have a client who comes to us to say, I'm not sure yet I'm going to drive a Tesla or a BMW or a Volkswagen. And then we're able to tell our story. And then eventually they say, yeah, of course, I'm going to take a Tesla. Uh, it's so much better. And it's, 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 it's so much better offer uh, for, the, for the price that we are uh, able to, to uh, to pay, so we are we are a little bit of a extension of Tesla. We are like a small speedboat around the big Tesla, and um, that's what we are. Um, that's what we're offering to our clients. That's our value proposition. We next to Tesla, we also do everything online, so we don't have shops. We're not a, a dealer or something. Um, so the whole customer journey from learning about our story to actually uh, being able to offer, uh, buy a lease contract with us is fully online. And, and how does a lease contract at Mr. Green differ um, uh, from a normal lease that you would do like directly when, when purchasing a, a Tesla and, and going through some, some other um, company? What, what's, what's the difference that, that you offer? Well, the difference between Mr. Green and Tesla is Tesla only, only offers financial lease mm -hmm. and we offer a full operational lease. So mm -hmm. we are like a subscription company. Uh, we keep the car and with the, with the Tesla offering, you are the owner of the car. So there's less hassle as well for the client. Um, so that's that's the biggest difference. And, okay, so, uh, so, so, the, so the idea is basically somebody wants to use a Tesla but doesn't necessarily want to own a Tesla. Um, wants to um, doesn't want to um, yeah maintain or just um, yeah have the hassle of owning things. So you offer a subscription model, and and what does this subscription model uh, contain? So do you do the service? Do you do um, yeah basically um, insurance? Um, do you offer a full package, or what does the client uh, still still have to do when when they go uh, with the lease with with you? Well, the client uh, doesn't have to do anything anymore. So we offer a full subscription, uh, full offering of the services. So uh, uh, exactly as you mentioned, uh, we, we finance the car, we insure the car, we maintain the car, we do the, the tires, we uh, change the tires from winter to summer tires. And we also offer a charging solution. Um, and we also offer um, uh, repair maintenance services when you're broken down somewhere on the highway that we are able to offer you a replacement car. Um, next to that, we are thinking of offering uh, additional services next to the, the, the traditional leasing part. So we are also expanding into uh, offering uh, solar panels or uh, other energy related products, uh, but also uh, evolving into a, a car sharing uh robot taxi offering that's still uh not something that we can offer right now but it's something that we are evolving into and that's why we're also 100 in on, on tesla because they are building already 
everything in the car is already built to become a robot taxi. So um, how long is a typical lease and um, what are roughly the costs? So let's say somebody wants to lease a, I don't know, a Model Y or a Model 3. Um, can you just give me a rough like um, estimate how much would that cost the full package per month? Um, yeah. Right now, maybe in Germany or, or in uh, the Netherlands. And uh, yeah, how, how long would, would such a lease uh, be? Yeah, so uh, uh, at this moment, about 80% of our clients uh, are, are choosing a Model Y. And we can offer a Model Y uh, starting at 650 euros a month for 60 months for 20,000 mm -hmm. kilometers. And uh, now we're able to offer a redrive Model Y as well for like 500 euros a month for mm. the same, uh, same duration, even for a shorter duration. So we can offer the, the redrive also for 36 months. Got that's, it, that, got that, it. And, and, and the 20,000 20, uh, 20, kilometers are per year, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay, got it, got it. Yeah, so you offer a full package. So basically somebody can just use a Tesla, pay 500 to 650 euros per month and don't have any hassle with with um, yeah anything related to owning a car and yeah. basically go go full electric that's an amazing amazing value proposition yeah so with uh, uh, with the introduction of redrive we uh, we would like to get even better in the um, the value proposition so uh, we already are able to lower our prices but we also want to lower our uh, duration and um, so Maybe we will be able to offer like a three-month period, uh, or even shorter. We're also uh, yeah. uh, we're also setting up partnerships with uh, car sharing companies. So uh, we met uh, uh, Beast Rental uh, two weeks ago. Amazing company, completely all in on Tesla as well. Uh, they're expanding into Europe as well with uh, with only Teslas, and you're able to to just. Uh, pick up a, a Tesla from us uh, and just drive it and pay pay by hour. So, um, you know, we are just trying to uh, to get as many Teslas on the road as possible. Absolutely. Great, great mission and, and great uh, value proposition, because personally, I'm, I'm just in the process. I almost bought a Model S in 2018, but I don't really want to own a car so then i just didn't buy it i invested in tesla instead or i was already invested so this turned out well but in a way i still want to use a tesla and i still want to use a tesla like an owner and yesterday in fact i was test driving a, a used uh, model x here in uh, switzerland and yeah it's 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 a hassle i mean i would have to deal with insurance with with all the stuff with tires with i don't know i don't want to have the hassle i just want to use the car and um so are you <laughs> offering uh, these services in switzerland already or in what countries are you already uh, active well we're active right now in uh, in germany uh, denmark belgium and the netherlands but uh, mm -hmm. Uh, I already had uh, a lot of discussions with the people on X that they are saying, oh, why don't you bring Mr. Green to, uh, to our country as well? We love your, uh, your proposition. Okay. Uh, so um, um, let's just say that we are, we are expanding into Europe very fast and we are still looking for partners uh, to help us uh, uh, to have feet on the ground and have the, the, the local knowledge. 
Um, we're even thinking of uh, setting up a franchise mm -hmm. concept. Um, we also have a lot of cars available. So there, there's, there's a lot of opportunity to work together. And um, I've actually met a very nice guy. He also, his name is Florian in uh, Austria, for example. And uh, we're having talks about setting up something in Austria. Mm. Uh, also somebody in uh, Czechia. Um, so uh, yeah, if somebody from Switzerland is in a crowd, just uh, come, come to me and let's have a talk. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I should connect you with, with someone because I was uh, the, the, the guy I, I'm considering buying the Tesla from. He's oh. actually owning a, a third-party service center um, here in Switzerland. Uh, they, they are Great. doing service and, and uh, warranty extensions and, and all of these stuff. And they are also reselling uh, Teslas. I think it's going quite well. And maybe maybe that would be a good uh, a good connection yeah, to, uh, to do. That, yeah, that's that's the perfect kind of uh, partners. You know, they, 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 we have to align on the mission. We have to align on the on that all in being in Tesla. And uh, um, if you're already in the business of doing something with Tesla, it's even better for us. You know, um, absolutely. We just started something in uh, Portugal as well and in Spain with uh, two uh, two Dutch guys who moved there, and they wanted to to uh, to uh, to set something up as well. So. No, we're, we're, we're very entrepreneurial and flexible in, uh, in those kind of solutions and uh, we're expanding. So please, uh, please contact me. Yeah, absolutely. Wonder wonderful. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, I'm an, I've been an entrepreneur myself for 15 years. I'm just curious how your model really works. Um, so allow me to yeah. ask some deeper questions. Um, so so um, how does the financing work? Um, wh where do you get the money to, to buy all these Teslas? Because I assume you, you have to buy them, um, of course, yourself first to, to have the fleet and then um, basically um, offer them as, as a subscription. So, so how do you finance it? What are the rough terms? Or, or yeah, how, how did you find your first financing partner, for example? Yeah, sure. So... Um... Um, we started in 2008, as I told you, and uh, we is uh, Mark Schurz is my co-founder uh, and myself, and we are still 100% owner of the company. Hmm. So we were we are bootstrapped, and we always like to be entrepreneurial about how we are going to finance things. And um, well, at this moment we have like uh, a 200 million balance sheet with 200 million cars. Um, which is financed about 85% by uh, banks and 15% is financed by uh, either ourselves, by um, um, our, our earnings that we, uh, we, we developed uh, during the years, but also a big part is, uh, is financed by our uh, community. So mm. we have like a community of more than 2,000 investors. Mm. And uh, they are able to uh, to subscribe to our site and, and become uh, uh, an investor with, within our com company. We have like 20 million euros, I believe, um, uh, we collected from those investors. So it's about 10,000 uh, an uh, average per investor. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're expanding. So our, 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 our idea is to have like a bigger community of investors in order to uh, build out our balance sheet. And um, at this moment, we only offer uh, bonds. So we write our bonds um, for like 7% interest for four years. But we're also thinking of uh, setting up a kind of a crowd equity uh, uh, offering. 
which could be very interesting in combination with uh, FSD and especially with RoboTaxi. So it could be like an, uh, uh, a combination of equity and a bond uh, offering. So you have the, the safety of getting some interest and you have the upside of, uh, um, of FSD and uh, RoboTaxi really coming into place and getting a kicker uh, when that happens. Because there's, as Elon said, there's a big opportunity uh, and a big uh, appreciation um, of the car if that happens. I mean, it's going to be five times more useful and therefore also five times more valuable. And uh, that's the basis of our whole idea is that that's why we keep cars, because we think the car is going to be actually more valuable during time. So normally the asset, the car is depreciating. And our financiers also want to depreciate our cars, and that's we do that. But we also know that with software, the cars are getting better, and they're actually going to increase in value. So that's the offering that we want to uh, to give to our community to uh, to help us grow our mission, help us grow our fleet, and people are able to uh, to to enjoy the the upside as well. So basically. People that invest with you, the 2,000 um, investors, private people, um, they can give you, for example, 10,000 euros, and then they can earn something like 7% per year in interest for four years. And after four years, they will get the initial money back. Is, is that roughly uh, correct? Yeah, that's, that's the offering that we're offering right now. It's only, that's the only offering we do. But we're actually making um, uh, some progress in, 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 in setting up new, new offerings as well, which I just explained. But this Absolutely. is uh, the basic offering that we're offering right now. Um, and people are, 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 are able to, to just subscribe to us. And uh, then, uh, then the, the whole process is also online. And uh, they, can, uh, they can join our, our, our mission. Yeah, so let's talk about, you, you mentioned depreciation. Um, I'm really interested in that. So, so from your experience, if you buy a new Tesla, for example, if I would now buy a, a new Model X, a basic version with FSD, et cetera, costs roughly 104,000 Swiss francs. So roughly 104,000 euros. I'm assuming uh, francs and euros are, are one to one. Um, so how much would such a car depreciate, for example, per year, if I would want to sell it after three years, four years, what could I expect on the on the second hand market based on your experience? Well, uh, it depends. Um, um, we have like a, a, a residual value table within our company. That's our uh, that's our core business. Um, but uh, there are a lot of assumptions which make that uh, depreciation level uh, variable. So uh, at first, it's the, of course, the, the entry price. So if you're able to buy Model S for 100,000, it's different than if you buy it for 80,000. But roughly, uh, it's, the depreciation is uh, better than an ICE car. So an ICE car roughly depreciates in uh, 60 months to like, uh, uh, 35 between 35 and 40 percent mm -hmm. and we have experienced that the residual value is, is, is above that mm. uh, but there's also differences between 2013 cars 2018 cars there's a difference between the model s and the model 3 and model y um, but that's the beauty of our business model is that 
we don't depend that much on the residual value because we, we, we keep the cars. Uh, we don't want to sell them. And um, uh, the market is not really appreciating the real value of the car yet. Um, what also is happening is that there, um, the, in some countries there are fiscal policies. So the fiscal policy is, is really having a big uh, uh, effect on the, on the residual value as well. So that's why we're expanding into Europe as well uh, to make use of that difference. Um, so that's about it. Yeah, maybe maybe you have another how, question how, about how it. How does it how does it impact? So so if if Tesla um, lowers the prices um, aggressively, for example, I think last week Model S and Model X, I think roughly fourteen percent um, price. Um, uh, uh, yeah, lowered the price uh, by 14, 15 percent, um, basically overnight. So um, and maybe you don't have much much uh, Model S and, and X in, in your fleets, but what would happen if, if like the Model Y or the yeah the Model Y, if you if you say that's your best selling uh, best selling car, um, what would happen if the prices would just uh, go down? Um, do you then have to impair your balance sheet? Does it have uh, any impact on your balance sheet? And how do you deal with with these price fluctuations? Well, at at first uh, we already knew that Tesla would lower their prices uh, when we started. Uh, mm -hmm. As uh, Ark Invest told uh, us, everybody uh, in the Tesla community, uh, with the uh, Wright law and the Moore's law, for every uh, doubling in production, the price uh, will will go down by uh, by twenty percent. So um, we knew beforehand that prices would go down. Uh, so that's 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 one. Uh, and we also think that prices will uh, keep going down. I mean, the, the, the Model 2 is coming for 25,000 euros. Uh, that's it's a lot cheaper than the current Model 3 of 40,000 euros. But there's also differences in, uh, in, uh, in categories. So that's one. Uh, about the impairment uh, question you said, um, the only reason to impair our uh, uh, cars is when we, have, we don't have a contract on the cars. Mm. So as long as we have a contract on the car, there's not there's nothing going on. When the cars are standing still, then we have something to uh, to explain. That's that's the, that's actually that's actually the risk. Uh, makes makes but, makes uh, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. basically, if if we zoom out to your vision, I mean, now we talked about all all the details, but the vision basically, and that's a huge bet, right? So your vision is you want to build a fleet, own a fleet of 15,000 Teslas, and then you basically make the bet that one day this fleet will awaken with software and become a robo-taxi fleet overnight. And if this turns out to be true, then of course um, your cars have a much more value because uh, cars with FSD, with, with the robo-taxi, have a much higher utility, maybe 3x, maybe 5x. Um, but certainly more than than uh, currently uh, cars, so um, that's a huge bet. Um, how confident are you that uh, this bet will turn out well? Well, every day I wake up, I get more confident, <laughs> especially last weeks. Uh, I mean, it, it's been amazing to see what's happening. Uh, uh, what was it uh, three weeks ago with the V12, uh, the live stream of Elon? Uh, I mean. 
it's amazing what's happening there that you only need video to to really drive a car by itself you don't need any heuristics anymore you don't need code it's uh, i mean with the advent of ai and and ai getting better uh, the the risk is going down um second to that uh elon already uh uh, told us in 2019 during the first AI day what his idea was about uh, building the cars. And he said, every car I'm, we're building right now is already ready, hardware ready. Um, so that, that gave us a lot of confidence as well. Um, I must say before 2019, we had, we had our doubts of buying FSD uh, as, a, as, a, as a software contract. We thought it was pretty expensive. <laughs> Uh, at that time, it was only 3,000 euros. It's 7,000 right now. So it's always a perception. Uh, at this moment, we think 7,000 euros is a, is a, is a cheap buy, um, uh, especially if you think of that FSD is getting regulated in, the, in Europe. Um, hopefully, in two weeks, we will get some more news about regulation. Uh, it looks very promising, and it could be that somewhere in Q1 2024, we will have regulation in place. So that makes us more confident as well. Well, and uh, this week with the book of Elon coming out and showing us pictures of, uh, of the robot taxi itself. Uh, the Cybertruck coming out uh, last month. Um, I mean, it's... it's uh, it's very clear that Tesla is all in on autonomy, all in. And uh, just I told you uh, 20 minutes ago, we are we are aligned with Tesla's mission and aligned with Tesla's vision, and we are aligned with their strategy. So we're like a speedboat around them, and uh, that's why we're very confident as well. And uh, uh, yeah, that's that's the confidence Tesla exposes, gives us more confidence as well. And uh, um, with with Dojo coming online, uh, with um, well, in, in the quarterly earnings, it's very interesting to see from Tesla is that they they show two graphs. It's the number of miles driven, and the number of uh, compute uh, installed, and those are the two metrics which are the most important metrics for this future to become reality. And uh, both metrics show, like as Elon called it, a wall. It's going to be exponential. So I think we are very, very, very close to this future happening. Uh, it could be as, as of 2024, 25, that we will see the first robot taxis from Tesla in place. And um, of course, you will, we also see all the, the competitors, robot taxi competitors already doing their thing in San Francisco. And um, I believe Tesla has this completely different approach to it and a completely ge generic approach and it completely uh, fits our strategy of buying cars and leasing them out, uh, then redriving them. And we have all the time for th this future to become a reality, you know. Um, it's even amazing that this future is actually becoming a reality much earlier than I thought. So uh, we had internal discussions uh, three years ago at what date this would happen. And we, we were talking about 2028, 2013. And now we are talking about 2025. So um, yeah, there, there, there's so much going on. So um, we, we are getting more confident every day. And you can, so so is your business model sustainable in, in itself with the leasing? So you 
basically um, can can wait as as long as it takes, or are you at some point depending on uh, this future happening with with full FSD? No, we are we are just uh, um, uh, we're an atypical leasing company, but our our dynamic is very uh, our business business model dynamic is is very typical lease company. So it's uh, it's not high margin, uh, but it's um, it's it's very um, stable. Uh, we have long-term uh, contracts, so it's very predictable as well. Predictable cash flow, predictable uh, um, numbers. So it's actually a very safe bet on that on that side. So um, therefore, we are able to to give our uh, investors a seven percent interest rate. Uh, at a very low risk because uh, they have the assets and the contracts as a, as a uh, um, how do you say it in English? Well, uh, like as a uh, yeah, as a base. Collateral, that's the word, yeah. So it's a, it's, it's a very safe, uh, it's almost like uh, um, uh, uh, investing in, in real estate. I mean, you have, a, you have a tenant and you have the house. So, um, and with with real estate, you also have the the, the kicker that the, the 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 house is actually getting it appreciates instead of depreciates. So our business model is very comparable to uh, to uh, to real estate. It has the the very easy uh, um, dynamics of of just having the tenant and having a contract and the asset in place, and 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 we have a kicker at the end if robot actually happens. Yeah, let's let's talk about the vision because you you call yourself a chief visionary in in your company on on LinkedIn, and so so what's what's the vision? Let's say um, robotaxis happened, FSD is here. Um, you have a fleet of fifteen thousand um, capable robotaxis. What would you do with it, and what are the next steps that you can um, yeah build build out this this vision for? Yeah, good question. I must say that um, I'm 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 also a dreamer, but uh, uh, I call myself a visionary. But I, I I don't know if I'm I'm a true true visionary. You know, uh, I'm just an entrepreneur, uh, loving what Tesla is doing, and uh, you know, the, the the first step for us is actually converting that fleet into a, a robot taxi offering, and uh, we can have like. To we, we 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 will come at a kind of a decision point. Are are we coming? Are are we going to become the operator, or are we going to become like a leasing uh, partner for all the taxi operators? Or maybe we can do both. You know, um, but we have the experience of of leasing, so we can offer all all taxi operators. Maybe people who are only going to have a, like a fleet of twenty or thirty cars. We can offer our services as a white label solution. So we call that a robot taxi as a service uh, solution. Um, but I'm also very interested in 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 the, in AI itself. So what is AI gonna uh, gonna bring for solutions? I mean, and what is the AI uh, solution Tesla is gonna offer to other people and to other companies? Because with uh, the current offering of their charging uh, licensing, I think they're going to expand that. And Morgan Stanley talked about it yesterday or 
two days before, that they also probably will license their uh, uh, their AI uh, infrastructure. So I, um, I don't have a clear vision about it yet, but the the I mean it, there there's amazing op opportunities there. Um, I'm I'm also uh, very intrigued by the humanoid. Uh, maybe we can we can become a leasing company of humanoids. Uh, maybe Tesla's not going to do that. They're only going to going to keep them for themselves. I have no idea. But it's going to be a, it's going to going to be such an impact on humanity and on our society uh, that I I'm I'm really into into this new world. I mean, I've been into the electric vehicle world for like 16 years. And I got a little bit bored, you know, about all the questions about electric charging and it's not possible, blah, blah, blah. And I, I gave the answer for a trillion times. So, and I, I, I reawakened myself by this whole AI story uh, and this and this 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 story Tesla is actually making. And um, I suddenly realized that Tesla is the leader in AI. Uh, and, um, and, I'm, and I'm so, uh happy that i'm already following them on the electric uh, car part and now i'm evolving into a kind of an ai guru as well for myself <laughs> so I, I i still have a lot to learn you know but uh, i'm i'm intrigued and i'm i'm reading every every part of it and i'm i'm learning about uh h100s and etc there's 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 so much to learn and um with an entrepreneurial spirit there's always there's always solutions and opportunities so um let's let's us first become uh become a robot taxi operator or a robot taxi as a service operator maybe we will become something of a humanoid operator uh and maybe we will evolve in something even more interesting i mean uh i've learned that you are a big spacex fan as well um we've been invited by uh tesla four years ago i believe to a launch in Florida, and uh, I saw the two boomers coming down, uh, and that that ignited my my uh, my passion for space as well, and for the, the things which are possible. So uh, it gave me a lot of hope, you know, a lot of hope for for the future. Uh, a lot of um, uh, at this moment, I, I think the world is in in a in a in a shitty place. There's a lot of uh, low frequency happening uh, this that that blah blah and i think this is going to give us such a boost in in hope and in energy and in you know uh, uh looking forward to this this bright world we're we're entering and we're entering it so fast that we have no idea that's uh, that it's happening you know um uh, I, i'm 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 having difficulty to explain it to people because i have difficulty to just uh keep up with uh, the things i'm learning um so i'm 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 uh, maybe we, we we become a space company as well that's what i'm saying you know uh, uh maybe we're gonna rent out uh, cyber trucks on the moon uh, <laughs> uh absolutely uh, you need to why you not? need to think you need to think bigger you need to become a yeah. leasing company for starships you need to become exactly. a yeah. leasing company for boring company um boring machines and yeah. and uh, solve the, the the congestion problem on on the world in the world um you need to become a leasing company of of domes on other um, planets <laughs> you could you could think much big, bigger <laughs> definitely yeah 
And uh, yeah, am amazing. So, so how do you think will the uh, let's go back to robo taxis? How do you think will the day to day look like with with robo taxis? So, for example, I would assume they would charge themselves. Um, I think that's that's uh, totally solvable. Um, so, so how what what would be the job of the operating company of a robo taxi fleet, for example? What do you think? Just cleaning the car, maintaining, or what, what do you think is, is the main uh, value a, a fleet operator can can provide? Well, it's, it's just the same things that we're doing right now. So it starts with financing the car, mm -hmm. uh, then insuring the car. Uh, obviously, uh, Tesla is going to bring their own insurance. Um, maintaining, cleaning. Uh, yeah, it's that's also difficult for us, you know, I mean, it, to get in the in the, in the greedy nitty uh, details of what is actually uh, going to be our added value, it's 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 not very clear yet. But um, the 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 only thing that we know is that if you have the assets, that's something that you already bring in as value because our assets are already depreciated, so we could offer them at a very low uh, total cost of ownership. So we could offer them at a at a lower fare for the actually the the people who are actually taking the taxi. So uh, I've also learned in our models that we're making for the robot taxi is that charging and having uh, cheap energy is it's going to be very important. Um, I don't know if you've learned about uh, CERN. It's a guy on the X as well. He's made a very nice robot taxi model. We're actually going to work together on making. Uh, uh, a robot taxi uh, model for operators, um, and we're gonna gonna use our our inputs from our uh, business to to make that to make that model. Um, but he already explained that um, charging is actually going to be a, a, a big uh, um, has going to have a big effect on the on the total cost of ownership of a robot taxi operator. How is yeah. how is he called? Um, how how do you spell him? Yeah, uh, CERN. I will I will look it up. Okay, perfect. I I can I can put it uh, to the show notes give, uh, give later. Me one, give me one second. Yeah, sure. CERN Besher. So his his X account you... is at, at CERN C E R N, huh? and then B A S H E R. Uh, CERN Besher. Okay. Yeah, he was uh, he was interviewed by uh, Herbert Herbert Ong mm, uh, okay. a week ago. Yeah, I, I put it I put it into into the yeah. chat if if anyone wants to wants to check him out. Yeah, perfect. I, I will also put it into the show notes later. Amazing. Uh, okay. Mm. Um, so we were talking about uh, robot taxis. Yeah, exactly. Energy. So, so how do you think about energy? Because I'm a little bit worried personally. I mean, I, I've been looking up um, the the charging infrastructure here in here in Basel, Switzerland, where I live. So these public charging stations, for example, they are uh, popping up like mushrooms right now. So everywhere, that's that's fine, but they actually cost between uh, fifty-two to um, sixty-two cents, I think, per kilowatt hour. So it's actually not super cheap to to uh, charge there. And of course, um, people who just rent an apartment, they don't have a garage necessarily, so they can't charge 
um, themselves. So I, I think the realistic scenario is that most people um, before the robotaxi world, of course, will, will use uh, these public uh, chargers. And I think there will be a huge, like, um, yeah, not conflict, but, but just a huge, uh, yeah, disruption of the whole energy business. And I think that the, the power companies still have, uh, yeah, basically a monopoly and that they will just keep rising the, the network fees and, and um, all of the fees associated with it. So that in the end, um, it will still be relatively expensive to, to charge. So, so how do you think about energy? Are you thinking about, um, I don't know, um, doing long-term contracts with, with power companies? Are you thinking about um, generating energy yourself with uh, solar farms, with, with hydro, with wind? Um, how, how do you think about it? And how do you think about the trajectory we are on regarding uh, energy prices? Yeah, well, uh, I think in the future, energy will be uh, will be near to zero because the, the marginal cost of, of sun is, uh, is near zero. So the future price of energy will be zero. But in between that, there's going to be a lot of hiccups. I think the, what Elon said as well, the, the demand for energy is going to spike in the next years. So if you are an energy company, you're going to be in the right place at this moment. Um, we have been in the charging business for eight years as well. We have set up our own uh, fast charging stations. Um, we sold our company to Fastnet, one of the leading uh, charging station operators in the Netherlands. They, they also uh, partner with Tesla a lot on a lot of uh, locations. But we have learned all the the details of charging and um, charging will be very cheap in the end but at this moment it's there's a lot of infrastructure build up which makes charging very uh, expensive and there's also a lot of uh, intransparency in the market so um, and there are, there, are, there are a lot of operators and stakeholders within that uh, ecosystem um, but we've learned from Tesla as well that they are the clear leader in charging. Uh, and they, they, with their affordability strategy, have made charging very cheap. Um, and, they, and they're not uh, a leader by like 5%. They're a leader like big, big, big. They're, 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 the number two is very far away. So um, um, I think for the charging solutions, we have to really rely on Tesla at this moment for the next coming uh, decade, I think. Uh, they're they're going to be the clear leader. Um, and um, they are already lowering their prices every year. So they, they, they are coming down in their in their prices. And they also showed that they are uh, coming down in their uh, in their operating costs with charging as well. So they're they are able to lower their prices. From other charging operators, I have no idea if they are able to lower their prices because there is a lot of initial investment costs associated with the whole business model. Uh, but the energy itself is, is, is very cheap. So um, our price for energy we paid at one of our charging, fast charging locations was like X, X um, uh, taxes. It was like uh, nine, eight, nine cents mm. a kilowatt. But if we, we if we grew uh, our our take rate, 
and we we took more energy it would it would uh, fall down to one cent oh wow so uh, there are there are buckets and if you have if you have a, if you're if you take a lot of energy you you fall into the first bucket so it's going to be very cheap uh, but what makes energy uh, uh, also um, difficult is there's a lot of taxes on it mm. so we have to see how government is going to going to wor- going to work on that as well and uh, uh, also the, the the grid at this moment is 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 not made for the the future that we are thinking about so um, that also makes it difficult but uh, I'm I'm very interested in what Tesla is doing with their Tesla energy retail uh, plan they just started in Texas and in the, in Australia they're starting as well mm-hmm. and they are able to offer um, a full charge for their for your car for one dollar a day hmm. one dollar a day wow wow <laughs> that's cheap yeah, yeah the, the, the the question is who who do you think will will disrupt the the whole energy sector or make it ready for this new world do you think tesla will do it themselves or do you think um, we need more companies um also helping with the with the disruption because i just feel that the energy business is so old and yeah a lot of infrastructure a lot of fixed costs um uh, just a lot of infrastructure that needs to be paid for um how do you see the transition and the disruption of of this whole energy sector to finally achieve the super cheap um or even free um energy we are all hoping for well, obviously, it's not going to come from the existing parties because uh, they have all this legacy. They don't have the culture. Uh, uh, they have all these uh, stranded assets on their on their balance sheet. So we need uh, companies like Tesla, and uh, there are also smaller companies who are doing their their fair share as well. But I think Tesla is going to be a clear leader in this space as well. Um, and that's because they they are coupling hardware with software, uh, and um, they have a clear idea of how they are going to conquer this market. Uh, but there's also a lot of regulation in this market, so that makes the rollout a little bit uh, slower than with uh, with cars, obviously, or or with software itself. But I think their whole idea of the virtual power plant is is amazing, and. Um, uh, in this whole energy transition, we just need a lot of batteries, cheap batteries. And uh, that's also what, uh, a part of our idea as well. If if, if um, cars are not available for um, for the robot taxi, we can uh, put the batteries into a storage solution. Mm. So uh, when we had our uh, fast charging stations, we already had some used uh, batteries from uh, trucks. And we use them as a storage solution for our uh, fast charging station. Ah. So um, I think the whole recycling of batteries will also help uh, lower the cost of batteries, and therefore also lower the cost of uh, of of, uh, of energy. But I'm I'm not an energy expert. I'm not into the energy market, so uh, I, I don't think it's I'm I'm the right person to to make this this call. Um, I'm just following what Tesla is doing, and um, I've, I've, we had some experience in the charging business, but I'm not an, an, an energy uh, 
market uh, expert. You should ask uh, Matt Smith, for example. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, so, so how do your customers charge their cars? Is it their responsibility? Do they just use their? Do they use public chargers? Do they use their own um, uh, electricity at home if if they have a garage? Um, how do their your customers uh, charge their cars? Yeah, it's their own responsibility at this okay. moment. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, because I, I really see that in the short to midterm, probably prices could actually go go up, as you say, because we, we are now in this S-curve of the transition. So we will have much more demand from um, electric cars, etc., to to um, use more electricity. And um, I think the yeah the, the power companies still still have the monopoly. So we definitely need um, more batteries. We need more cheap energy production. And I really hope that uh, Tesla energy will grow um, as as they envision it too, because it's it's really needed for, for such a future. Because if it stays at 50 cents for public chargers, it's, it, it will just slow down this whole uh, transition. Yeah, true. Um, because uh, the, 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 most of the people live in the, in the city, so that's where you need the charging. But we also learned that um, if, if um, there is not charging available in the cities, people just charge their car just like uh, they, they uh, fill up their gas car right now. So eventually uh, they will fast charge their car more often. And um, if there are, uh, are more people uh, increasing the demand at fast charging stations, um, this, the, the, the fast charging operator will fall into the bucket which I was telling mm. you about. So they will be able to offer the prices at a lower price. Um, at this moment, I think the, the demand is not big enough yet even with a 20% uh, BEV adoption rate for new cars, uh, it's still a, a, a drop on the total amount of cars which are driving around. So if you look at the Fastnet model, it's very interesting to see because they are, they are building a public as well. Mm. And they, and they are showing their numbers. And uh, um, they, they are showing the business model and they are also showing that uh, they eventually are able to uh, to charge at a, at, a, at a more cheaper price. Mm, so that's we're still in the early innings of uh, BEV adoption. Um, yeah. um, I think eventually uh, in the cities we will see more fast charging stations than slow charging, and then public charging uh, offerings because it's just too difficult and too messy to put that in place and um, uh, it's easier to fast charge around those areas just like Absolutely. we don't have Do, just mm -hmm. like we don't have any, any gas uh, stations within the city anymore it's all around the city at the, mm. at the, at the highways uh, okay makes makes sense so so do you think that Tesla will will also put superchargers into the cities, or or you think they will stay on the on the fringes of of the city? Well, um, of course, at parking stations, etc., you can make those, but it it also depends on how quickly Robotaxi is coming. Mm. If that happens, 
uh, RoboTaxi doesn't need to go inside the city to charge. They can also go to the fringe of the city and charge there. So um, that's also a big influence on this whole charging uh, arena. If, if this is becoming reality, what's, what, are, what is the charging need going to be? Because people are living in the city and they just uh, get their car uh, through the app. They don't need a charging station in front of their house. You know, they just call the car and they don't care about where the car is charged. So the, 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 the taxi operator needs to think about that. And uh, um, I don't know if you know Revel, they are in the, based in uh, New York. They have these blue, blue Model Y Teslas. They're amazing. They, they just put out the, the front seat, the, 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 the right-hand front seat to give some more convenience to the, to the people. But they also have their own charging locations. And those charging locations are not in the middle of the city, but at the fringe. Uh, they are, they're already preparing for a robo-taxi uh, future. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, so so the first you you started you you went all in with your company to Tesla in 2013. So um, do you still have um, 2013 uh, Model S's in in your fleet? And and can you talk about the longevity of the car? So so how long would such a car last in your experience? And how many kilometers? Um, battery degradation, all that good stuff. Uh, can you talk about the longevity? Yeah, so um, uh, we don't have that many 2013 cars because we only bought about 50 of them uh, back then. Um, but they're, they're still in operation. And uh, some of them have more than 400,000 kilometers on them. Uh, some of them, uh, they have already changed their battery uh, during the guarantee period. Uh, some of them had some bigger issues than the others. Uh, but clearly... Uh, the 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 Model S's from 2015 and 16 are better than the 2013 built cars, so there's there there there's a difference. Um, but we are getting our Model S's back from 2018 right now, so they are five years old, and we want to keep them mm -hmm. because we think they're 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 very well built. We now have experience in changing batteries as well. We have experience in changing uh, other big items and still our uh, maintenance cost per kilometer is uh, drastically low it's 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 lower than expected so we mm. already expected a low rate but it uh, uh, every time uh, every year uh, advances we see that the, the the kilometer price is still dropping um, so um, I've also seen and, and know about a lot of people who are already driving their Model S from 2013 for more than 600,000 kilometers. So, yeah, that's 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 the experience that we have. Absolutely. So, so um, how how long uh, do you do you in in your numbers? Um, what's what's the uh, the the age of the car you you expect uh, the the car to reach, or or with how many kilometers um, lifetime? Uh, uh driving do you do you calculate in in your numbers do you think uh, that a tesla could be in operation for 15 years and more than 1 million kilometers for example or do you have an idea of how long such a car could could be used well from the cars uh before uh 
the last few years, we only think it's about 500,000 kilometers, five, 600,000. Okay. Um, the average car drives like 20,000 kilometers a year in our fleet. So after five years, they only have 100,000 kilometers on their numbers. So after 10 years, it's only 200,000 kilometers. So we don't think that we're going to sell them after 10 years as well. So uh, it's uh, we have to see. Uh, I think the the the, the new build uh, Model Three and Model Y are 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 built for to drive one million kilometers, hmm. but we don't have the numbers yet. So we, uh, we we're just following Tesla in that. Absolutely. So so you said the maintenance costs are even lower than than you expected. So. What what does the maintenance look like for the average Tesla? Um, can can you talk about that and and compare it to uh, to gas cars, for example? If people are not aware yet of how low maintenance a Tesla really is, yeah, it's 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 about the. Um, it depends how old the car is, of course. So. Uh, with a normal gas car, uh, you will get rid of it after five years because the, the maintenance costs are too high compared to the depreciation. Uh, but we see the difference with, uh, with Tesla's is that the maintenance costs compared to depreciation is actually staying very low. So that makes it uh, easy for us to uh, actually uh, give an, a very interesting value proposition to our clients because we still make a margin on that. So we drop our prices by 150 to 200 euros a month, uh, but the maintenance cost is not uh, ex accelerating. It mm. stays stable. Uh, of course, a Model X is different than a Model 3 or a Model Y because there are more replacement parts and it's a more sophisticated car. Um, but that's the exception on the other four cars. Do you have uh, Model Xs in your fleet? Yes, a lot. I think okay. about uh, 400 of them. Oh, wow. Yeah, ab absolutely. So can, can you also talk about battery degradation? So for example, after 200,000 kilometers, when uh, you completed two, two of those cycles with your customers, how much battery capacity is, is still left or how much does it degrade, for example, per, per year in, in your experience? Well, it's between 80 and 90%. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's closer to 90% than 80. Uh, so it's still very high. And uh, the battery negotiation, we, we always thought that because of uh, fast charging, that will go faster. But we have learned that it's not a very big effect. Um, so no, we're, we're, we're also, it's, it's something that we discussed like 10 years ago that it could be a problem. But as of five years, we don't even talk about it anymore. You know, it's 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 a non-issue. <laughs> I'm actually quite amazed by the by the by the question. You know, uh, it's it's not an issue. Uh, it's it's not something that we are. In in the beginning, we were actually really uh, managing the battery, and we were looking at it and uh, seeing if it would hold up. But uh, we we are so confident about it right now that we don't even look at it. We are so do you do you with, uh, do, do you require your customers? Uh, excuse me. Do you require your customers to um, only charge to eighty percent, for example? Do, do you manage that, or would it be also fine to go from zero to hundred percent charges and and uh, 
or is is that still the case that you shouldn't go to zero and you shouldn't go above 80 or 90 percent what's what's your experience of course you you you, you uh, it's better not to do it but it's not uh, it's not an issue for us i mean okay. um uh, that's something that we talked about a lot uh, like eight years ago as well <laughs> uh, because we also had other cars like uh, Nissan Leafs and uh, well all the all the other uh, car companies and they had a, a less sophisticated uh, software uh, battery management system uh, but I think the, the software battery management system of Tesla is so sophisticated that's it, it's 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 a non-issue anymore and uh, we, we also first first uh, try to educate our clients about this, but we don't do that anymore. It's <laughs> uh, it's funny that you ask because it's uh, it's it's reflecting the the history of my uh, of a few years <laughs> ago, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to think what what people might ask, or or actually, it's yeah. it's it's interesting to think from a fleet perspective because we now have. Sure. I think almost five million, or I don't know whether we already reached the five million Teslas on the on the road or produced uh, at least. So so we have millions of, of Teslas on on the road, and it's just interesting to think about the fleet management of the whole Tesla fleet, right? When we then think about ten million, twenty million um, cars produced uh, per year, um, so it might actually um, amaze us um, or or surprise us on the positive side, right? How low the battery degradation is, how many kilometers or miles you can drive with one Tesla and how low the maintenance costs are. So um, yeah, it, it seems from, from what you say that Teslas could easily be driven for 10 to 15 years or reach 500 to, to 1 million uh, kilometers. So um, this shouldn't be an issue. And um, with the rate of innovation, it might actually get even better over over time, right? So, so the progress is actually uh, positive. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, it, uh, as as I told you, it, it, it was something which was on our mind like eight years ago. Uh, but with, <laughs> with, with, with the rate of innovation and uh, um, what we're also seeing is that, uh, and, and that's the, the the lack of data that we have as well, is that. Uh, the newer cars, the Model 3s and Model Ys, um, they don't have that much kilometers on it yet. Sure. And um, but the the numbers that we do get, it, it doesn't surprise us. It 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 doesn't make us uh, uh, anxious. And um, um, of course, the the older cars, the 2013 cars, they they had some problems, definitely. Yeah. Um, and we don't have any of those anymore in our fleet. Uh, but I think the the cars who are, are coming out of Giga Berlin and out of Texas and out of Shanghai right now, uh, I think they are all capable of driving one million kilometers. Wow! Uh, but um, I'm 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 not the the guy who is able to to tell you if that's really true. I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't have the I don't have the numbers yet. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so you said you you also had experience with other brands like with Nissan Leafs, etc. Um, and the battery management system was was much worse there. Um, so I would assume the degradation, etc., was was worse there. Um, do you keep track of the current evolution of of other uh, companies of other EVs? So have you tested I don't know uh, uh, VW ID three or or whatever? 
to see whether other companies made progress or do you think so so basically the question is um what's what's the competitive landscape look like and would you consider other brands for your fleets or are you tesla only yeah we do that uh, regularly um I'm, I'm i'm not the guy who's doing that on a daily basis but we have a team who's doing that um, we have a scale of Mr. Green and uh, we have all these numbers that we're looking at from uh, a different perspective. And um, it's funny, but every year we, we get this question from our financiers as well. Uh, shouldn't you do this uh, new car? It's coming out. It's amazing. It's uh, from this and this uh, OEM uh, going to be this price, etc. And then we say, yeah, the, let, let's take a look. And we, we already took a look, of course. And uh, every time that we compare it to the current offering of Tesla, it's not good enough uh, or it's not cheap enough, you know, uh, or it doesn't have the range and um, or it doesn't have the, the, uh, the charging capabilities. Uh, and as of the last two years, we're uh, we are uh, focusing a lot more on FSD and on self-driving and um, there are not a lot of other OEMs who are able to offer that uh, already in their hardware uh, so the whole the whole idea of Tesla the whole idea of building cars as of 2016 which are capable of becoming a robot Tepsi car uh, we haven't found that yet uh, within a competitor yet uh, of course there are some Chinese companies who are uh, uh, copying that strategy but um, as i told you uh, i don't think there is a, a close competitor yet uh, on uh, on self-driving technology maybe you, you have to think of mobile eye or nvidia um, but they, they're working with a few oems uh, who don't have the the business model yet in place um, which we are able to uh, uh, use with tesla so, uh, of course, we're looking, of course, we're comparing, uh, but Tesla always comes up as number one. Um, and um, not only in uh, capabilities, also in price, but also in the future technologies. And also, so, so, in how, so, so how close are, so, so let's, let's differentiate between the, the, the car itself and, and the FSD. I think these are two, two different topics. Um, how close are the current competitors just from a car perspective to a Tesla? So, so I don't know who, who would you consider the, the number, the number two in terms of, uh, in terms of car. Ooh, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know it by head, you know, okay. uh, but it, it, it depends on what you look at. Um, I'm actually thinking, no. Um, for me, it's very clear uh, in my head, we are all in on Tesla. Uh, yeah. I have my team looking at all the other stuff. Okay. But yeah. For me, it's, uh, um, it's very clear. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a discussion which happens a lot also outside of the company. And I understand. Um, but it's also something uh, um, 
that's what I said about uh, we are mission driven and Tesla is also mission driven. And uh, it comes from the heart, you know, uh, it comes from a good place. And I still, we, we still have some problems as well of other OEMs not having that same uh, drive, you know. Um, it's, it's still they're just trying to do something in order to make the market happy, but they're not all in, you know. There's, they are still with two legs into two different markets. And uh, it shows in the product. Uh, it's it's not it's not as good. It's not as thought of. It is not. It's just not. Uh, everything. Everybody thinks that uh, an an, an uh, original uh, car manufacturer can just build an electric car, but it's a total different beast. Um, that's one. And I don't think Tesla is a car. It's they. It's a robot in the car industry, but it's not a car. You know, it looks like a car. It feels like a car. You drive it like a car. But it's not a car. Um, we say it's a robot on wheels, and eventually the robot will stand up and become a, a humanoid. Uh, and um, that's that's the the the, the clear difference. And I, and I haven't seen any other uh, OEM uh, have this kind of DNA within their company and this kind of thinking and this kind of uh, uh, entrepreneurial all-in mentality as well. Uh, that's why I love the, the the excerpts of the book from Elon that he was willing to bet the company again a, a year ago, <laughs> saying, um, "No, I, I I don't want to make a second car. I just want to go all in on on the robot taxi car." And eventually, the management team said, "No, no, no. We should make a twenty five thousand dollar car as well." And I think it's a very wise decision. But the whole idea that Elon doesn't want to do that and he he really challenges people. To think like that that's that's why we are all in on tesla as well and um it's uh, uh, uh sometimes it's also difficult to explain you know it's also um i often uh, think that i'm post rationalizing my intuition <laughs> you know it's just it's my intuition saying yeah this this is the best this is the best thing that we should do as mr green Absolutely, I, I I totally agree. I mean, if you if you really think about it, Tesla is a AI and robotics company, and and I totally agree that cars, the Tesla cars, are robots on wheels, and they will build many different form factors in the future. One might be humanoid, one might be uh, wh whatever the the form factor might be. There will be certainly more than two form factors in in the future, but it all depends on um, basically solving the the vision-based um, uh, or real-world uh, AI. And once they have solved it, they can just roll it out into uh, various uh, form factors. So, um, and I believe there is no second uh, competitor that's even remotely close. So maybe at one point, some Chinese company, I, I think China will invest into AI and probably at some point there will be um, huge companies um, out of China but um, uh, I think uh, this this time is still really far away, and I also think, um, yeah. What what do you think about the the other like um, FSD uh, competitors like um, Waymo or Cruise? Um, uh, do do you think they have a they have a chance? Do you think they they will survive, or or how do you view them? Uh, I don't think so. 
I think they're they're betting on the on the old technology. They're also already pretty old. They're like 10, 12 years old. Um, they're trying, but they're losing a lot of money every year. Um, I think they have the, the wrong approach with their HD maps and uh, and lidar. Um, I don't think they're scalable, and uh, I don't think they're able to become profitable. Um, it's also something I learned last six to twelve months, um, but it's getting it's it's getting more clear and clear that uh, the way Tesla is approaching this, um, the the way they're doing it, they're doing incrementally, and they're doing it the right way with the 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 scalable way. So they're 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 not first to market, but they are the most scalable uh solution um and with the dojo coming online and uh all this compute power they're buying and with v12 only needing compute power and not needing engineers anymore so the, the bottleneck is compute power and data it's not en engineers anymore um so uh, it's amazing that that tesla made this bet already six years ago and they they made the the the, the right bet you know they they they, they really nailed it again. <laughs> it's amazing every time. Every time you, you you get into that rabbit hole and you, you learn more about it, you're you're learning. Wow! They, they even this market they also nailed it. And um, no, so I, I'm 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 not a firm believer of the other ones. I think uh, uh, Mobileye, Mobileye or Nvidia they have a better chance uh, because they also. But the problem is they don't have the cars, so they need OEMs to work together with them. Um, so we have to see. Um, um, I think uh, Coma AI is a very interesting party as well. Um, and obviously some Chinese parties, but uh, I think the, the steps Tesla is making right now are, uh, are huge. And um, well, the, the only thing I can do is 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 uh, talk about what every other expert is already talking about. Uh, so I'm just rephrasing them. Uh, it's for me. It's also very interesting to learn about it, and it's uh, it's for me. It's also like a real life uh, MBA, uh, seeing everything working out and. Um, uh, and learning about how, how AI is actually developing and how business models around AI are developing and what's, what are the, the critical elements of uh, the future uh, business models around AI. Uh, what, what do you need in order to become the leader in the, in the field? Um, and uh, those two are at this moment data and compute power. So, and uh, I think Tesla is a clear leader in that. In this yeah, case. If, if, if you really think about it, I mean, it's it's really mind-blowing and I'm still trying to wrap my head around like the mm -hmm. whole Tesla ecosystem and I'm learning every day, I'm, I'm, I'm putting the pieces together. But if you think about it, they really have everything in place. And now the landscape has shifted completely to AI and they already have prepared their compute, they have their own chip, they have Dojo, 
they um, are buying as many NVIDIA chips as they can. Uh, so they are already on, on track to, to have one of the um, leading supercomputers in, in the world and probably will have the most compute in the world. But then, as you say, so even if some other company would have FSD right now, which of course um, they are years uh, behind, um, but if they would have it, they wouldn't even have the cars. So you, you couldn't just magically make appear millions of cars out of thin air, right? So the other part of this whole um, Tesla ecosystem is their real advantage in manufacturing and their innovation in manufacturing capability. So in the future, they will be able to stamp out uh, uh, gigafactories um, out of nothing. They will be able to stamp out um, various uh, products, uh, basically like matchbox cars, um, various uh, form factors. So they are really building like a huge machine that will transform millions of tons of raw material into really useful um, products. And I think this is what the people are not understanding yet. So Tesla will not only be the only or the first one to really solve FSD, um, hopefully, um, but then they will also be able to make millions and tens of millions of cars and, and of course, other form factors um, that other companies just don't have, have the capability. Even if they had the software, even if they had the data, they couldn't stamp out these, these products. So it's, it's really amazing. All of these puzzle pieces, it's like 4D chess that's that um, yeah. Elon has been playing for for the past 20 years and everything is coming together so they are ready now for AI they are ready for mass manufacturing with all their gigafactories and stamping presses and all of these innovations and um, yeah they, they have the best software team they have the best talent they are a magnet for talent so it's amazing all of these dozens and hundreds of pieces are coming together and if you think about it with the boring company, with Neuralink, with SpaceX, it's just such a huge, with, with X now, it's becoming such a huge ecosystem that I believe that the, the major risk, and, and I'm 100% sure that the major risk, the number one risk for Tesla in the future or, or for the whole Elon Musk ecosystem will be government intervention because they will become the largest company on earth. They will become more, um, uh, yeah, basically have more power than even uh, the, the biggest governments on Earth. So um, I don't know whether you read uh, the, the Mars trilogy, but there um, they talked about multinational companies becoming transnational companies. So basically companies that will become even more powerful than governments and basically will end up in a way replacing governments. And I believe that um, yeah, Tesla's uh, ecosystem or Elon Musk's ecosystem might as well become such a transnational company one day, um, uh, spanning different uh, uh, different planets, uh, spanning the whole world, and and basically be this huge uh, uh, yeah monopoly in in a good way because they are just the only ones that that um, are able to to uh, to execute on that. But it's amazing how all these pieces are are coming together. Yeah, what's you, you were talking about the Mars trilogy? What is that? Mars trilogy. It's it's uh, the three books, uh, science fiction books. I think it's Red Mars, Blue Mars, Green Mars, okay. and uh, really fantastic. It 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 uh, shows you how to terraform Mars. I think it has been written ago, uh, a long time ago. I don't know how scientifically accurate it is, but it just made me think about all of these problems that might. Um, 
uh, that humanity might might face once we uh, colonize Mars, once we build a city on Mars. Because then the question is, um, yeah, what government structure will we have there? Will Mars become independent or, or self-sustaining? And once they are self-sustaining and thriving, will there once be a conflict between Earth and Mars? So they talk about all of these wars between Earth and Mars and how to uh, the, the hundreds of years it will take to terraform Mars. And, and uh, yeah, basically these huge corporations. So there were these like um, five or seven mega corporations, these transnationals uh, that were basically ruling the world. And I think, um, yeah, it, it, it's just really inspiring to see such a possible future. I'm not saying this will happen here, but um, it, it's very well possible that uh, the, the Elon Musk ecosystem um, will uh, become really powerful if they are able to, to fulfill their mission. And um, it's amazing to see it's just happening in plain sight. It's, it's not yeah. hidden. It's, it's, not some, it's not some Area 51 conspiracy. It's, 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 it's happening in plain sight. Everything is transparent. I mean, Elon um, Tesla's uh, master plan has been public since 2006. It's been published on the Tesla website since 2006. And uh, of course, master plan part two, part three, and, and all of these other things. I mean, Elon is really public and still um, you just need to put all of these pieces together. But I'm, I'm just amazed how such a large ecosystem can still um, fly under the radar because people still think that Tesla will fail. People still think that um, it's, it's all like a hoax or, or I don't know what people are thinking or, or so much FUD, but they are just not seeing what, what a gigantic ecosystem is being built in plain sight. And I think um, it's, it's actually good for us shareholders because um, the longer we can fly under the radar, uh, the better for us because the more value will be created and, and the, the later uh, the government intervention will come and maybe one day it will be too late when, when uh, the ecosystem is too powerful. But um, I, I'm just amazed how people don't see it or how crazy we are. I don't know. Um, one, one of the two has to be true. Either we are completely crazy and completely lost everything. We are in a bubble in the Elon Musk bubble and, and think um, all of this will happen and it won't. That's one possibility. Or the other possibility is everything is happening in plain sight and um, nobody is able to connect the dots. And some, a few, a few of us are connecting the dots. Um, of course, I think Elon, Elon's dots are, are much more connected and he's already thinking 50 years into the future. But it's, it's amazing when you start to put these pieces together. And I just don't understand how such a huge ecosystem can fly under the radar. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I'm, I'm, I'm also intrigued by your idea of this eight uh, transnational companies. Um, I've been thinking about that as well. Uh, also with people who are uh, in the same bubble as we are, <laughs> if I may say that like, in, that way. Um, it's it's quite interesting that we, we we're not having that discussion already uh, in the public space because um, that's that's the discussion we should have. What what what? Uh, uh, how is that going to look like? Um, but maybe it's just also something that has to happen in our society that governments are not that important anymore. Maybe maybe we're already seeing that that there is some. Uh, that's the, that's the, it's the end of government. It's kind of crazy to tell, but uh, I, I I'm still pro government, 
but there's also a lot of things happening in government that you are saying, okay, what's, what's, is, is that, uh, why, why is it happening? And uh, I think uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see how this miseconomy mis is gonna, gonna evolve uh, into what you say is gonna be so immensely big that as as, as 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 an entrepreneur as an investor i'm very intrigued by by this story because i i'm seeing the potential i'm seeing the upside um, but i have no idea about the downside yet i have no idea about how this new world uh, will evolve this uh, this this how how should we call it this new universe because it's not it's not about earth anymore i've been um, I'm, I, I didn't I didn't read uh, about it yet, but Eden has been referring to a couple of books uh, lately as well, um, from Ian Banks. Yeah, the culture. It's a I haven't read it. I, I haven't read read them as well, but I I want to I want to get get into them. That's it's that's a, a, uh, yeah. Have you have you read them? No, not yet. I I just started with the first, but I I wasn't able to. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I was distracted by all the YouTube uh, things I'm watching <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, so 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 here is here is the um, it's it's actually the transnationals. So so let's uh, let's uh, read it together because I I really think it's uh, it's really interesting. So let me um, transnationals. Let me um, search that as well. So um, it starts here with uh, the transnationals. So they are. Transnationals were private mega corporations that ruled the Earth economy in the period of 2030 to 2100. They were the result of mergers uh, of smaller companies in search of economies of scale in the capitalist struggle for greater efficiency. They progressively took precedence over governments in many parts of the world, which resulted in continuing tensions between them and international bodies. The influence of the transnationals extended to Mars where the entire economic activity and the quasi-entirety of the immigration was ensured by transnationals. And then um, it evolved into metanationals. Metanationals were private gigacorporations resulting from the fusion of many transnationals in the decades following World War III in the um, later 21st century. The metanationals completely overtook national rule in Terran affairs and became the new world order of the 2100s and there were like the, the five or six um, um, metanationals in, in this story. But I just thought it, it was so interesting to just think about one possible future. I mean, I'm sure our future will be completely different, but it's, it's completely plausible. It's completely plausible that these huge companies like uh, Google and, and Amazon and, uh, and, and Tesla, etc. Uh, will become really huge corporations or even uh, OpenAI maybe or, or whatever it may be, uh, Chinese companies. And then, of course, at one point, they will become more powerful than governments. It's, it's um, in my view, it's inev inevitable. And uh, then if you think about uh, private companies like SpaceX that will uh, start building cities on other planets or on the moon, uh, etc., uh, it, it will be really interesting, but it also will be scary because um, there will be a lot of disruption not just on the on the on the product side or on the technology side, but also potentially on the on the society scale. 
Um, so there will be huge disruptions coming. Of course, we're talking about decades and maybe hundreds of years into the future. Um, but then if we think about um, the AI world, if we think about the potential of an AGI that, that is uh, being developed, if we think about uh, Neuralink and the potential merger of humans um, into uh, this AI world, it becomes really interesting. And, and the other trilogy I would highly recommend is, uh, is the Nexus trilogy by Ramesh Nam. Um, it's a fantastic story um, about uh, uh, nanocomputers that you can basically take like psychedelics. You can, you can drink it and it connects with your neurons and it basically um, uh, lets you run software in your brain and it lets you uh, connect uh, to other humans in a hive mind, uh, mind-to-mind communication-like uh, technology. And uh, the, the trilogy talks about how uh, this nexus um, is being developed, how it's um, being used, and then how it transformed the world. And I think if we uh, just yeah think about Neuralink, we might get to a world where we have such a nexus in our brain, where we can connect our brain to the internet, where we have mind-to-mind -mind communication, where we can have real hive minds, because right now everything is external from us. If we think about X as the, the global consciousness of, of humanity, and because it's the most real-time um, um, exchange we have, but it's all external of us. Now imagine it all will be internal. We will be able, I would be able to connect to your mind or you would be able to open up yourself completely to me. I would be able to see your whole history, to feel how you feel, uh, to have complete empathy, of course, if you allow, if you give me the permission. Um, um, but, but of course, there will also be risks because you can hack these systems, you can control people uh, when, when you can hack them. And the Nexus trilogy, I think, combined with the Mars trilogy, just, just opened completely opened my mind. And Elon has been talking about it, that he has read dozens of, of uh, science fiction books and that it completely shaped his, his imagination. And I've already uh, only read a few so far. So I, I really want to also make a deep dive into the culture series, into... Yeah, so so many great. Uh, I have a whole list of of like twenty yeah. science fiction books. But I think it's it's really important that we start imagining how such a future could could look like. And I think um yeah I'm I'm really um, excited, but also worried about it because um there will be a lot more disruption in the future than we can even imagine, in my opinion. Uh, it's so funny. I mean, this is exactly the 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 thing that is fascinating me at this moment as well. But I don't have the time at this moment to 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 really dive deep into it. But um, I had a lunch with somebody uh, a week ago. Um, he is uh, uh, he's fascinated by robots and AI as well. And we had this exactly same discussion about uh, what will happen if we are able to uh, have telepathy. And uh, you're actually you're reframing it. You're saying it's like an inner consciousness or the, the X is like external and we are what imagine if you can put that internally and we had the discussion that it's the it's already happening but it's it's uh, it's not within us exactly exactly as you told us right now but there is there is already a kind of consciousness which is outside of us and we are tapping into it and uh, that's also where, where my uh, fascination goes. Why am I so fascinated by this X? Why am I so fascinated by this consciousness? Why, 
why why does that intrigue me so much? Um, I'm also very open to uh, have this telepathy thing because uh, uh, I think we we our mind goes so much faster than we can speak or we can express ourselves and. Uh, uh, I, I sometimes, when I'm in meditation, when I'm just si sitting and just being, uh, I get so much more information than when I'm reading or doing anything else. Uh, so that's also fascinating. Where is that information coming from? You know, uh, it's already there. The consciousness is is more than than the things that we are thinking. It's it's already something collectively. Uh, and we're, we're, we're entering a, a world where the technology is going to help us tap into that consciousness, it looks like. And of course, it's frightening. But uh, I was also very amazed by this documentary AlphaGo. You've probably seen it as well. It was already no, six yet. years ago. AlphaGo, you haven't seen it? AlphaGo I saw, but I haven't seen this, this documentary about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, it's amazing. It's uh, free on, uh, on YouTube. It it, uh, it tells this story about uh, DeepMind who actually gonna wins from this uh, AlphaGo master in Korea, and uh, uh, this guy is is amazed by the possibilities he can have if he if, if he would if he could uh, tap into DeepMind because he said then I can be, uh, get into next conscious levels I can get mm. into a higher state. Uh, uh, a state I'm not able to get into it, uh, if if I will be on my own. Yeah, so, it becomes it becomes really philosophical because the the question yeah. then in the end is for me: um, Will it all be a blessing or will it be a curse? Are yeah. we building a curse for humanity? Because Elon um, talked it uh, about it in in one of the the excerpts I think um, uh, in 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 the bi biography. Um, he said, or, or uh, yeah, I think the um, Walter uh, talked about right. it in uh, in uh, in Lex Friedman's podcast about death. So Silicon Valley right now is obsessed with longevity and with um, trying to live forever. But Elon says, and Steve Jobs said it as well, that death might actually be the single best invention of life. So so that it actually clears out the old and makes way for the new. That's what Steve Jobs said, and Elon is saying that. Basically, he cannot imagine anything worse than living forever because um, what if you're just trapped? I mean, there's this uh, cryopreservation that some people have started to do where you can either freeze your brain or freeze your whole body after you died and preserve your body um, into the future when the technology will be good enough so you can be unfreezed again and, and, live, and, and, and live again. Um, but what if then your soul would be freezed and you would be stuck in this state for hundreds or thousands or millions of years. And you could, couldn't basically um, um, go on with your, with your uh, spiritual development. That would actually be a curse and not a blessing. So I'm, I'm really I'm careful with that. And also the, the other tangent I'm, I'm thinking about when we think about um, uh, uh, this philosophical discussion is uh, basically I, I, I've uh, participated uh, two months ago. I've participated in a pharmahuasca study, an ayahuasca um, a clinical study, where I took uh, five times uh, ayahuasca um, in a clinical setting um, with the goal to develop uh, some uh, mental health uh, therapies out of it. 
but um, it it really opened completely my my view to to new insights and to ask myself these questions: What is it all about? What is humanity about? Uh, Etc. So I think all of these, um, and and we also are seeing this huge uh, uh, psychedelics renaissance right now, um, which maybe um, could also be one puzzle piece to finally get these answers that that we that we need. Because what if we are just building? are trapping ourselves? What if humanity is on the way to cursing itself? Be like the, the Sisyphus in the, in the Greek mythology where, where you just go up this mountain, you never reach the mountain and you always keep falling down and you just repeat this cycle for eternity. I think uh, we also need to be careful um, what we are getting ourselves into. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's really fascinating to, to think about all of, all of these things. Definitely, I'm 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 intrigued by your uh, pharma ayahuasca session. That's uh... yeah, and I think that the Netherlands are are really um, uh, progressive uh, with with that, right? So so certain substances, of course, are legal in in the Netherlands, and uh, uh, you have retreats. I think that are already have have a license to to operate retreat centers. So so you can um, if if somebody would want to. Um, do such a such an experience. Of course, you need to do it um, under guidance and and uh, under proper circumstances. So I think the Netherlands, um, among other countries, are are really progressive with that. And uh, for me, it it just opened up a completely new way of 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 viewing the world because I I was seeing different realities and and different uh, different uh, yeah realms that I that I just didn't thought possible, and it just gave me new information. Um, uh, yeah, how, how to how to live my life, and it was it was absolutely fascinating. Are you at all in 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 touch with with uh, with this topic? Yes, definitely. Uh, I'm uh, I'm eating mushrooms right now. It's also oh, very interesting. Yeah, nice. Because, yeah, mushrooms uh, are are legal in in the Netherlands, right? Or yeah. how, how's the yeah yeah? And so uh, how, how much how much do you take? Do you do you do microdosing or what do you do? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not microdosing. I'm just taking it uh, for for a session, for like a ah, four-hour session. Nice, yeah, 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 of course, yeah. And uh, I've been um, a breath uh, coach as well, so conscious ah, breathing. Ah, nice, yeah. So uh, I've been doing that for a few years now. Right now, it's it's amazing how you really get into yourself and into your body and what the body is actually telling you. So. Um, no, I've, I've been on this spiritual travel for the last five, six years. Oh, wow. Um, and I've, I've learned that everything which happens outside is already inside. So um, uh, also with the mushrooms, you go inside. You go into the, 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 the softer, uh, loving uh, emotions. And uh, um, I find it more intriguing than the... the the, the new realms or the new outside stuff. I'm, I'm actually pretty good in that stuff <laughs> uh, and uh, being, being hopeful. And, uh, but I'm, uh, um, I'm, I'm very open to, to this new uh, pharma ayahuasca idea. It's, uh, I'm, 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 I'm very interested to, to learn from you what you have learned from that. And especially yeah, I've actually, the, I've, the... I've actually published a, a Q&A. It's, it's on my channel. You, you, okay. you find it one, one of the last live streams. Um, I was interviewed by, by a, 
uh, actually by, by someone I met on X and uh, he interviewed me um, what my experience was uh, like one, oh, one hour uh, one hour Q&A I shared everything um, I, I really like to be public about these things because the cool thing is finally in Basel um, I, I grew up here in Basel I, I, I've been here my whole life in Switzerland but LSD was actually invented here in Basel um, yeah. uh, psilocybin has been first synthesized here in Basel so um, finally, um, and, and actually the cool thing is that um, even though psychedelics were, um, were prohibited um, and also the science was prohibited in, in most of the world, actually the science in Switzerland, I think Switzerland might be the only country um, where the science, the psychedelic science never stopped. So it continued throughout the 80s, 90s, 2000s. Um, it never stopped. And Switzerland right now is one of the leading countries for uh, psychedelic research. So in Basel, in Zurich, in Bern, we have dozens of studies uh, right now running. So I, I will be participating in another study um, in, in a few months with um, also with, with MDMA, with 2CB and with, uh, uh, with, with mushrooms as well, with, with psilocybin. I'm really excited about that. Um, but for me, it's, it's like a complete new world. And I'm also seeing like um, this renaissance of this topic um, and new startups are being created and new treatment options are being uh, uh, yeah, developed and, and thought up. And I really think, um, I also think it's, it's of course not like a silver bullet. It's, it's not a, a magic pill that will say, uh, solve everything, but it's just a tool that can, um, uh, yeah, that can allow you to see things more, more clearly. So I would be interested also in your experiences, if you, if you don't mind uh, to, to share a little bit more how, how often did, did you do that already? And, and what, what did you learn uh, so far? Well, um, uh, maybe I, sh I should share some, uh, some personal things. I mean, um, I've been uh, working for Mr. Green for 16 years now. And I think uh, four or five years ago, I had this idea. I was, I was a little bit burned down. And uh, so I got interested in, in, in learning more about myself. And uh, so I, I, I went on a weekend with just 10 guys and we just talked without alcohol, without any substances. Uh, we did a lot of cold water exposure uh, and we did a sweat lodge. And in the sweat lodge, it happened. It was like a rebirth. It was amazing. We were with 10 guys. We were chanting and we were screaming and we were telling our most intimate uh, stories. And... Uh, I came out of that sweat lodge. I went to my parents. I said, this is this and this. Uh, it's happened. And um, what do you think about it? <laughs> so it, it, it really felt as a rebirth. It really felt as uh, I, I had to go to my mom and tell her about it. Uh, and uh, that was the, my, my, my kickoff event into a whole series of uh, things I experienced. And one of the most intriguing experiences I had was uh, is, is conscious breathing is without substances, but just yeah. your own your own breathing. It can get you into a, a state within six minutes, which is uh, um, you can either go really outside of yourself and, and experience all these things that we are connected to, or you can go inside yourself and really experience what is actually blocking you. And what's 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 uh, what you have kept in your body, all that stress and all the trauma you've kept and you've learned from all the years and 
you never expressed and now you you really get into that blockade and and breathe through it and just get the pain out and uh that's that that was very interesting for me and then i also started uh, uh with these mushroom, mushroom ceremonies um i started with uh eating mushrooms in, in other ceremonies as well and um the, the whole idea of, of, of sitting in, in ceremonies again, something that we have totally unlearned as civilization and all the, the rituals around that. It's so interesting. Um, so no, I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued by the whole idea. And um, um, I've, I've never done ayahuasca before, but it's on my list. And maybe pharma ayahuasca is, uh, <laughs> is, uh, is, is the way to go forward to do the, do the first thing. Um, when I was a young kid, when I was 18, I did some LSD already. So that was like, maybe there something happened already there, but uh, what I wasn't conscious about. Um, um, I always thought I, that I was already uh, really open-minded and open to all these new kind of ideas. And I was always intrigued by the future. And, um, and I... I really love, uh, like the, the the whole idea that we started talking about Tesla and Mr. Green, and that we were talking <laughs> about <laughs> uh, psychedelics and uh, spirituality. And uh, that's probably also why I'm intrigued by the whole uh, Tesla story, uh, unconsciously as well. So uh, it's, as I told you, I'm, I'm just intrigued by my heart. It feels good. It's intuitively, it's, it's something that we are as a society going into. And um, it's it's just manifesting at this moment. It's just it's just happening. Um, and I um, I think there's gonna we we will we will go through a stage where we are where a lot of things are gonna gonna change. I think we are a very disruptive stage uh, at this moment, and uh, we have to be conscious about what we want as a humanity. But I think it's. Uh, uh, I've also read a book, it's called The Nova Saying. And it actually talks about that we are coming from an Anthropocene into the Nova Saying and that we created technology already, but that we were meant to, to create technology. And that uh, we are part of the evolution of technology. Um, so I'm, I'm. How is that book called? Nova Saying. Nova Saying. Okay, interesting. And yeah, I, I think this is really important because in the end, it's about um, yeah, how will humanity, uh, humanity's evolution continue? I, I think this is the the big question because we we as a as a human race have always been like striving for progress. We wanted to reduce our suffering. We wanted to live better lives, and I think that's like deep down um, one of our key motivators. But um, the other motivator, of course, is also to understand, to, to make sense of how does the universe work? Um, how did it all come to be? And I think these questions have also been with us for, for um, millions of years. And I think, um, yeah, with, with mission-driven companies like, like Tesla and the whole Elon Musk ecosystem with new um, uh, yeah, uh, potential therapies with, with the help of substances, with uh, AI, with technology, I think we we have 
a, an opportunity to develop ourselves or to get to know ourselves, to understand the universe better. And I think that's also what excites me personally. My personal mantras are uh, learn and grow and live and, and, uh, and, uh, um, uh, 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 what's, what's the, what's the English word for, uh, uh, yeah, basically be, be like water. So, so live and, and be active and, and float, float like water. And, uh, these are like my two, two mantras in, in my life. So I love to learn. I love to, um, experience, um, the, the human, uh, uh, the, the full human, uh, bouquet. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm also just a seeker. So so I'm I'm yeah. also interested to to reduce my own suffering. I'm interested to learn how to live a better life, to have better relationships, and 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 so on and so forth. So uh, it it seems that we are both on on similar paths, and I think um, we all as as humans are on a similar path. So I think that's that's also what what interests me. And I think the other thing is that Elon Musk, I think, also has. Uh, also had some some psychedelic experiences, and Steve Jobs had some important psychedelic experiences. So I think um, um, these substances might even be more important or or have influenced us more than we might believe. And there is this one theory. I, I don't know whether whether it's true or not. This um, stoned ape theory. I don't know whether you heard uh, from it. Um, that um, basically because these psilocybin mushrooms, right? They they are growing everywhere. These are just part of nature. And the idea is that um, there has been this part in human evolution where the brain, uh, within a relatively short period of time, like got exploded and and got and got much much bigger. And and the puzzle is why did that happen? And one of the theories are that um, the early humans um, started to eat mushrooms, and that these mushrooms then led to this uh, growth in 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 the brain size. And, and in the uh, connectivities and the neural connectivities and basically helped us develop all of these things um, that's, that, that we have developed. Um, so this is an interesting theory, no idea whether, whether this is true, but what is true, um, what, what we already know is that I think there are 20 or 30 animals or, or species that are eating psilocybin mushrooms on a regular basis. Um, so, so I think this is just really interesting. This is part of nature. It, it has been part of, the, of our diet um, or of the diet of, of animals for hundreds of thousands or, or millions of years. So this is not something that we just invented some chemical substances that have never been known before. These are really um, interesting substances that have the ability to connect with our serotonin um, um, receptors and, and create really interesting um, uh, phenomena in, in our brain. So, so I'm, I'm really also fascinated with this topic and I'm also doing uh, deep dives because I, I just think this, this, is, this could really revolutionize mental health and revolutionize our quality of life and our yeah, level of consciousness. There is also this great book, um, Levels of Energy by Frederick uh, Dodson, uh, where he um, talks about the scale between um, basically level of energy of zero is like the demonic the, the hellish um, a part of of uh, of the being, and one thousand would be like being one with the universe. And uh, it talks about the evolution of uh, uh, yeah the the, the increasing uh, level of of consciousness of of us humans. And I really believe that we are on an upward trend. I know we have a lot of suffering, we have a lot of wars and and stuff, 
a lot of things are not good yet, but I still believe that on when you zoom out, our trend is positive and we are actually, as a human race, we are raising our uh, level of consciousness and that makes me feel really hopeful. And yeah, being um, an observer of, of the Elon Musk ecosystem is, is really, really connecting. Like you said, it's, it's really a matter of the heart. It just feels intuitively right. It feels um, being on the right uh, side of history. And um, I, I really hope that this ecosystem will, will succeed and, and won't be, um, yeah, won't somehow uh, come crumbling down because I think um, humanity would lose, lose a lot of, uh, of value uh, if, if that would happen. Oh, it's amazing. This, this is actually uh, the, the, the part that my co-founder and I uh, found each other. We, uh, we found each other on positivity and on this, uh, this high scale of energy. Ah. That's, 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 what we are, that's where we connect. And that's the basis of our company as well. And every time we have to remind ourselves about this and it's interesting because sometimes I also go down in my energy or sometimes he goes down in his energy. Uh, and that's amazing. Always the, the time that the company is not doing good as well. Um, and when we reconnect, when we reconnect and be, and we are on that same energy again, then the company gets better as well. And uh, well, you, you just, you just said such, such amazing things. That's exactly what, uh, What's all about, um, and um, that's that's why why I also refer to the hope part, and that's why we are so intrigued by by Elon always saying uh, it's about hope, and uh, uh, I, I I got it in my, one of my slides as well uh, because I said uh, we went to the Giga Berlin opening. Mm -hmm. um, we can sh should I show some of your slides? Yeah, it's it's actually it's it's pretty cool because it's ex exactly what we're talking about. Perfect. So, let's let's do that. Uh, so uh, we're here at our mission. Why, Mr. Green? Uh, we are in an ex in an existential crisis. Sorry, I'm going too fast or not? Uh, you you can go through the presentation if you if yeah. you want. Uh, why not? So uh, I think our ex existential crisis is actually a leadership crisis. It has to do it has to do, to do with choices we make. And I had this uh, this vision when I was on a uh, on a nature quest for four days without uh, uh, having any water or any uh, food, and on the third day. I had this vision that I wanted to go around the moon and back. Uh, and uh, um, what I want to tell about that? Well, uh, the whole idea is is that uh, it's not about going to the moon and back, but it's going uh, to the moon and back. Uh, this one philosopher also thought about it. It's that it's uh, uh, it's about uh, uh, reinventing yourself, reinventing who you are. Uh, uh, he also says, "I love you to the moon and back." Uh, it's it's all about yourself. It's not about other people or the world or etc. It's your own universe. What you're talking about. So if you're if you're at a positive level, 
you uh, the rest around you is also on a positive level. Um, so uh, we think it's a leadership crisis. We think we are uh, uh, we are still very hopeful. This is uh, one of our slides from uh, ten years ago. Um, we already said the sun shines every day. The old age is over. The 21st century will be the century of the electric car powered by the sun, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, then our next slide, we are still hopeful. And this was uh, last year. I came back from uh, the Giga factory in Berlin and I saw this uh, art form. And this is exactly what I felt when I came back from Giga Berlin. There was so much hope. <laughs> Uh, that, uh, that there will be uh, two million cars coming out of that factory. And this was in the middle of Berlin. And this is the statement Elon says, uh, hope is so important. You want to wake up in the morning and think the future is going to be great. And that's what being a spacefaring civilization is all about. It's about believing in the future, thinking that the future will be better than the past. And I can't think of anything more exciting than going out there and being among the stars. And uh, wow. I love that statement. And this was the, the party at uh, the Giga factory with the coils from uh, Nikola Tesla. So I thought maybe Elon is just channeling Nikola Tesla. And we're actually seeing a rebirth of Nikola Tesla. So obviously this is uh, making some fun of this all, but uh, this is our spirit of our company. It's about being hyper bullish. These are our gurus, uh, Katie Wood, yeah. Tony Seba, uh, Monroe, you're, you, you know them. And then next slide, we are winning. Etc. Etc. So I just wanted to show you that uh, after you were yeah, saying these, uh, these beautiful words. I I totally I totally agree. And um, actually, it was one of the takeaways from one of my uh, pharma huasca ceremonies um, that in the end it's all about hope uh, and and hope, hope yes. and love are connected and hope and love are the main drivers of of uh, humanity, I, I believe, or at least it, it, these are the main drivers for me, um, because I also had some dark times in my life and I never lost hope. And hope always got me through the darkest of times. And uh, yeah, it was interesting during my ceremony, I was, I was seeing like bits and scenes from my childhood. I, I was going back to my childhood. I was even going back, I was, I was seeing how I was conceived by my parents. I saw how I was in the womb of my mother and I, I felt it and I felt that I was created or I was a product of love because I always had the question, did I, was I really created um, by, by love or was it chance or, or whatever? Was I wanted in, in, uh, in the end? That was my question. Was I a wanted child or not? And there I got the answer that yes, I was created through love. And yes, I was wanted. And, and that was the, the answer I, I wanted, but I felt it deep in my heart, in my soul. And uh, yeah, it, it just showed me that, that hope and love are the most important uh, qualities uh, in, in, in probably the, the universe, hopefully. 
And uh, I don't know whether you saw Interstellar, but there my takeaway was also, uh, yeah, basically love um, uh, transcends uh, space and time. And uh, it's just a fascinating, fascinating movie. And that, that really deeply, uh, deeply connected with me, also with the father, father-daughter uh, uh, angle. And uh, yeah, I totally, totally agree. And I love, love these slides that uh, uh, you, you are basically, yeah, building this company with a, with a soul, with hope, with, with love, right? And I think that's, that's what it's all about. And if you say that we have a leadership crisis, I think the crisis is really that we, I, I don't say that people don't have hope or don't have uh, heart, but we just um, took the wrong turn and we got distracted by uh, bad emotions or fear or a uh, fear of missing out or um, wanting to be loved, essentially, because what's the motivator of, of uh, human behavior? It's, it's um, either wanting recognition or being afraid of something of something or being anxious so um i think um a lot of human behavior is motivated by these like lower states of consciousness and i think that with companies like elon's ecosystem and and with entrepreneurs like you i think we really bring the soul back into into companies into into society and i think that's that's what it's all about and i i love love to see that yeah, that's that's what I also learned uh, during my. Uh, I've, I've been on a world trip last year, and uh, I had the opportunity to, to to read some stuff as well. But I also learned a lot about um, the philip philanthropy side of uh, Elon Musk, and that he uh, exactly explains that um, the only way to have a real philanthropy is by being a company with a soul, a company mm -hmm. with a mission. Because the, that's the only sustainable way to, to become uh, uh, or to, to achieve the things that you want to achieve. So um, um, it also gave me a new idea about what a company is actually is. Uh, and I also learned that the whole, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to talk about that, <laughs> uh, but the whole, the whole idea of, 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 uh, of being a company is much more than uh, what we normally think of what a company is. Uh, it's much more than that. And uh, of course, you always have your dark sides in the in the company as well. And they are uh, your lows, but there is always highs and there's always the, the I'm I'm sometimes wondering why I'm still doing this after 16 <laughs> years. Uh, how, how am I able to do this every time again, you know? Where, why am I always looking for the pain or for the, for the being out of my own comfort level? But I, I think that's that's really part of being human as well. I mean, and companies are are getting more human, more and more, and that's why I'm intrigued by Tesla as well because it's 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 not about becoming the the biggest company in the world. It's it's not about becoming the most profitable company or there there is something else going on. Um, and that, that's what, what, what we as Mr. Green try to, try to do as well. Of course, we, we, we need the money to, to stay alive and we need to, but it's, it's more of a fuel than, than it's uh, to, to keep the car going uh, than it's, it's the, the end goal. It's not about the money, uh, but you need the money to, to, to evolve, to get better. And, 
the whole dynamics of of getting the the the, the company better it's it's a very spiritual thing actually to to be creative and uh, think of uh, of ideas to the, the whole idea that we started mr green uh, i think the the energy was also quite rebellious like uh, to fight against the status quo you know that was the that was my my first energy when i started mr green i wanted to fight against the status quo mm. um, but i um i started leaving that energy because it's not about that anymore i mean the status quo already lost it's mm -hmm. it really it already happened so uh the new energy is actually what you were talking about right now it's uh, what are we as humans going to evolve into, and what 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 are we experiencing uh, at this moment in the society? It's much more than that. Uh, we, we we are really awakening as a species. Uh, the car is not only awakening, but the, the whole we are we are awakening. And uh, I, I I really love that you're saying that there's uh, that in Switzerland there there are. Uh, in, in some way, there, it was possible to really uh, rediscover uh, all the, or it, it, it wasn't banned. I mean, the, the, why was it banned at all, you know, in the 60s and the 70s? Uh, why don't we dis discuss that? Why is it freely available right now? Because we, are, we evolved as well in, in 20, 30 years. And I think absolutely mm -hmm. uh, what, what you were talking about animals uh, eating uh, uh, I think that the, the, the um, uh, in uh, before we we don't even know about all this I'm, I'm also fascinated about pyramids lately as well <laughs> they, 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 they are telling us something as well that there probably was a, a lot more consciousness back then than, than there is right now or we were on a higher level then. So maybe we're, we, we are evolving very fast at this moment. Maybe we are evolving into the same stuff as well. Maybe we can learn about a lot about history and, uh, and uh, other civilizations which were before us. So that's intriguing me as well. What, what keeps you going? Why, why are you um, still like running a business with employees? I mean, I know it from my firsthand experience. It's it's not always fun. I mean, managing people, having the responsibility, etc. So, can you talk about your entrepreneurial experience, um, the the difficult times, uh, or yeah, do you enjoy managing people, for example? And um, yeah, how how do you envision your own uh, future? Well, um, I'm a CVO right now, so uh, I don't have an official. Um... Uh, managing position anymore. Ah, oh, nice. So um, I I fired myself as a CEO uh, a few years ago, um, and a year ago I went on world travel with my family, and I spent with my family a year uh, away from our company, and I just returned to two months ago. Um, and during the trip, I experienced that I wanted to do. Uh, uh, more than just being on trip and uh, I learned again okay my intellectual curiosity is 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 getting awake again and uh, I also realized that I wasn't ready with uh, with Mr. Green yet and I wanted to implement uh, and execute again 
-hmm. So I'm I'm back on the on the horse again, <laughs> uh, and I'm uh, with completely new energy and new uh, new ideas. And I think it's going to be a fascinating time the next 12 to 24 months. So I'm really excited that I'm that I'm in the mud again, and not, and not on the sideline. So. Um, of course, I, I had my difficulties. I know uh, I'm, I'm actually a pretty good manager, but um, uh, it's, not, it's not the thing I'm the best at. So I'm always looking at, okay, where am I the best at? And what is something uh, which is perceived by others that I'm good at, but which I don't like anymore? Uh, I'm not going to do it anymore. So I'm only going to do things where I'm very good at and I enjoy a lot as well. And... Um, my guiding principle is my curiosity. So where my curiosity brings me, I will I will do that. Absolutely, and, uh, I'm 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 the same. I'm the same. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, fan fantastic, fantastic. So so, how do you think about? Um, yeah, it it just reminded me. I, I need to I need to read this quickly. It it reminded me of the man in the arena quote. You you know that? No. Um, it's uh, by Theodore Roosevelt. It's it's so great, and it's all about the people being actually in the arena. So so I, I think it's it's fitting that, that I read it. So the man yeah. in the arena. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doers uh, the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives mm -hmm. valiantly who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end uh, the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly." So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I love this quote. I, I have it. Uh, I, I hang it in 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 my house, and um, it's it's really um, it's so easy to point the fingers at at someone and to criticize them and to judge them, but actually, it's all about the people who are in the arena who fall. Who have to get up again and who actually do things and i i believe that you are such a such a person in the arena of course elon is completely in the arena and i think um if you are not in the arena yourself then you don't have to write to judge other people who are and um i think it's such a great quote and actually um i think um who was it i think kobe bryant or is it lebron james i think lebron james um, writes I, I, either one of I, I think LeBron James I, um, before every um, basketball game he takes a new pair of shoes and he writes on it with a with a sharpie the man in the arena and he reminds himself of of this quote and I really love it and there is this um, uh, this uh, best selling author Brene Brown uh, fantastic um, uh, personal development um, uh, coach. Uh, she wrote really yeah, great books. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and she's she's also using using this quote as as one of of the main uh, guiding principles of her, of her work. And uh, yeah, I just thought it it was fitting. So I I really uh, yeah love to see that you are back in the in the arena. 
yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you very much. This is this is spot on. Exactly, this is exactly what I'm, what I missed uh, in my time that I was um, that I fired myself because I thought that that was the the thing I wanted the most that uh, I I could build a company without uh, the company needing me. But uh, I didn't think of myself. I thought uh, I, I needed freedom. I thought freedom was the thing I, I wanted the most. And uh, after six months of freedom, I thought, okay. And I was in the dust a lot. The, the, those six months I went to Africa. Uh, I was happy to see some concrete or some grass. Uh, but um, no, that's, uh, it's, it really fits my situation at this moment. I want to, to be back in the arena again. And uh, I think time has come as well. Because we are, we are ready, the world is ready, and it's it's happening so fast now that it's it's going to be so it's it's like a roller coaster. It's going to be so exciting, and uh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. So so, how does a regular day for you look like these days? Are you now operational again, or or do you are you more like um, the the yeah chief? Chief Visionary and, and Chief Purpose Officer, how, how you call yourself. Um, how does a day, a regular day look like these days for you? Well, I just came back for trip. So I'm, I'm here for like two months. And uh, it has been a roller coaster the last two months. A lot <laughs> of happening in our company. Uh, I'm still uh, Chief Visionary Officer. Um, but I would call myself more Chief Entrepreneur. Right now, uh, I have lots of ideas that I want to uh, to build. Uh, we started building as well, and so we we have to see what 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 my exactly my new role is going to be. Uh, it was pretty strange because when I came back, there were like 20 new people, so uh, <laughs> people had to uh, show me around again. Uh, so that was that was strange. It was it, it felt like I was a stranger in my own company. Um, but now I'm there again. I'm I'm sitting uh, next to everybody. Uh, I'm just talking to a lot of people. I'm uh, I'm speaking about what what I want to uh, do within the company. Uh, what uh, what steps we we should take as a company. We just updated our strategy a little bit. Um, yesterday we had a big meeting with uh, 40 bankers. Our financiers are. That's a yearly meeting, uh, so that was also very uh, uh, time-consuming with it, to present our our new ideas. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm involved again. I'm back in the arena and just doing what I what, on, on the axis of the what I'm good at and what I uh, like to do. And maybe in a, in a, in a few months, I'm only doing interviews like this. Uh, because that's uh, what, what, what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to build in public more. That's one of the pillars of the strategy. We're going we're gonna to expand it to Europe. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the face of that. And I'm going to be uh, 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 trying to connect with a lot of people, just, just being in connection. And I love talking to you because I'm, I feel we are in connection as well. And uh, uh, we, we have never met, but we could talk for hours. And that's, that's also the intriguing part of, uh, of being on X, uh, that you meet all these like-minded people. 
and there are there are so many possibilities and so many enthusiasm and um, uh, also this 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 feeling of being uh, on the forefront of something very big, you know, and and and, yes. and still this this kind of frustration that that there are still a lot of people who who don't see it or they don't get it yet or they don't want to get it. So it's it's a combination of of, of frustration and hope, uh, which is actually quite interesting energies to have around. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, I also like your idea of men in the arena because I've been working out a lot lately, last two uh, months. I've been working <laughs> out like uh, five times a week. Wow. And uh, I, I really feel like I have to pump iron, you know, and become... Uh, and it, it's, uh, it's kind of a feeling of, of going through the pain. Yes. Because after the pain is where you want to come, you know, that's where the dragons are. That's where the, that's where the dragons fly and the, where the, the, the nice roses are, you know, you have to go through that pain. You have to go through it to experience the, the beauty of, behind that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm on the same journey. I'm also pumping, pumping iron right now. And it's, it's, okay. it's great. It's, it's, it's really good. And I, I loved your quote. Uh, I, I love this sentence. I, I just had to write it down. The feeling of being at the forefront of something really big. I mean, yeah. that could be the title of this whole discussion. I mean, that's that's exactly what it is. I mean, for me, it's that's why I'm passionate about three three topics. Actually, I'm passionate about the whole Elon Musk ecosystem. I'm passionate about uh, Bitcoin in particularly, and I'm passionate about psychedelics. So these are really all three are exactly about this feeling um, about being at the forefront of something really big. And if we put all of this together with AI, et cetera, I, I think it's uh, exactly, it, it feels like something is brewing. It feels like something is happening. It's, it's like, I, I mentioned it after one of my Pharma Huasca ceremonies. I, I felt like it, 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 it has this rebel energy. It's also the group, um, the, the study, the, the, the clinical group I was, uh, I was part of. Um, uh, it, it just felt like the original Macintosh team, like building yeah. the original Macintosh, the 100 crazy people building the first Macintosh or the 100 crazy people building the first iPhone. I mean, that, that's always how it, how it was built. And um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's, a fantastic, it's a fantastic energy. Maybe last question. We already have been going two and a half hours. Um, last question. Um, yeah, how do you think about your legacy? So, so let's assume all of this comes uh, into fruition. You will own a, a fleet of fifteen thousand uh, robo taxis. Uh, you have also invested into Tesla, etc. All, all of this will will, of course, um, uh, create uh, uh, a lot of resources for you personally. So, so how do you think about what to do with those resources in the future? How are you thinking about giving back? Maybe uh, philanthropy. Maybe, I don't know, do you want to um, uh, inherit everything to your children, build a din uh, dynasty, or, or do you um, have other plans with your resources? Can you maybe share um, the, the bigger picture of, of your uh, professional life? Yeah, great question. It's, uh, it's something that I discussed with my dad as well. Uh, he passed away uh, last year, mm. uh, two years ago. And uh, it was also a quite uh, interesting moment for me. I, I had a lot of pain. Um, and I, I also um, second-guessed myself, why am I doing this? Did, did, mm. did I do this all for him, you know? 
Exactly. Was, was that the reason? Did, did I want to show it to him? Mm. But we, we, all, we always had this discussion about um, our last name is Minderop, so it, that it, we, we should do it for our, our, our last name, you know? Uh, it's kind of um, being proud of being Minderop. Uh, uh, we have an entrepreneurial legacy as well. And uh, his dad and his uh, granddad, they weren't entrepreneurs, but they were medical people. Uh, so he, he wanted to bring back the entrepreneurial spirit into the, to the family as well. So I think I'm, I'm infected by him. <laughs> uh, uh, it's not my fault. I'm, I've become an entrepreneur. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's part of his legacy, you know. Um, so I think the, for the love of my dad, I also want to, uh, to, to bring this over to my sons. Uh, I got two sons as well um, and i'm seeing they are 10 and 11 years old and i'm seeing what they are doing and i see that it's a mirror of myself you know they're doing stuff that i'm i'm looking at and i'm looking wow what the hell <laughs> why are you doing this and then i realize oh that's they're just copying me you know they're just doing what i'm doing so that's also it's just paying it forward just uh, being in the arena uh just doing it and being part of of something i i can do and um um yeah of course it will it will bring me uh some fortune if this all happens and if this all works but um um i think for, for me the thrill is being the the rebel and being the the missionary uh and being the and taking the risks that's that's what i am that's mm -hmm. that's what's what's me and uh, of course you, you you get the the beautiful things as well with it but i also learned on my trip uh, last year uh I, I i don't need any fancy stuff i just love to be uh, in a tent in a in a four by four and i'm i'm happy enough if i'm nature i can meditate uh i'm i'm happy but um yeah, of course, I have to think about if that happens, what, what am I going to do with it? But I think it's going to be, and that's in the spirit I talk with my dad as well, is I want to uh, raise uh, people to become entrepreneurial. I want to uh, help them uh, uh, achieve their dreams. Uh, I want them, I, I would love to become a kind of a teacher for them, like a master or something. Maybe I'm. Uh, I will be, be. I will be a master somewhere in the future, <laughs> and I have my my pupils. I just watched uh, a YouTube this morning from uh, Messi and uh, and uh, Ronaldinho, and uh, there was this young Messi. He he was uh, juggling with uh, Ronaldinho when he was like ten years old, and they had so much fun. And Ronaldinho <laughs> was really helping him. And then you see afterwards how this master junior. Uh, uh, worked and that's 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 what uh, where I'm in for and I'm always looking for people within my company which I uh, who, who I can help and I can help them think bigger and think uh, bigger than themselves and becoming entrepreneurs and we, we, we had a lot of people working with us who, who became entrepreneurs and I'm very proud of them and uh, they're they're still they're still very proud of, be, of being one of our families 
so yeah it's going to be somewhere in that in that region uh helping other entrepreneurs uh, i'll, I'll uh, help invest uh, in other companies um so so something like that yeah wow perfect perfect vision to to end this i i can totally i can totally see you becoming the teacher the coach the the mentor um absolutely i i think you're you're on on the right on on the right path um uh, to, towards that hey Florian, it's been fantastic. Two and a half hours, I would say. It's a good spot to uh, to to end this here uh, for for this first round. I'm sure we will uh, connect uh, in in the future. We will stay connected on X, and hopefully we will do uh, a round two in in the future. It has been absolutely fantastic. Do you have some some last words uh, to say? Something we haven't uh, discussed yet? Well, it was very nice to meet you. I was already looking forward to this meeting, but it really. Uh exceeded my expectations uh i loved our uh, derail into other areas <laughs> and uh, I, I would love to meet you in person sometime absolutely uh, and uh, I, I will come visit you in uh, switzerland when i'm uh, when i'm uh, going there and uh well thank you very much for inviting me and uh for me to to tell my story and uh hopefully we'll meet uh, and uh, do a do a second interview as well Absolutely. And yeah, as, as we discussed, if anyone here listening um, is interested in um, yeah, joining this mission of Mr. Green, um, reach out to Florian. He's totally open uh, for franchise models or, or uh, corporations of any kind, partnerships of any kind. So uh, yeah, uh, just as a reminder, I will, of course, put his um, X profile in the description below and all of the links. So you will have everything in one place. And with that, don't forget to subscribe to this channel and we'll see each other in the next.